Welcome to our seventh episode on C-Squared, critical conversations that lie at the heart of health justice. This podcast is hosted by the Center of Excellence in Maternal and Child Health, Education, Science, and Practice at the Boston University School of Public Health. I'm Elisa Moninger. Today's conversation is with Merlene Sylvain Williams, a birth doula and the owner and founder of Nurturing Babyhood and Beyond. Join our conversation as we talk about the importance of doula care and its impact for birthing people and beyond. Hi, Merlene, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on C-Squared today. Hi, I'm humbled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Merlene, you are a birth doula and the owner and founder of Nurturing Babyhood and Beyond. Could you first talk about and explain what a doula is? Well, according to Dona International, a doula is a trained professional who provides continuous physical, emotional, informational support to their client before, during, and shortly after childbirth to help them achieve the most healthiest, satisfying experience possible. And as for me, a doula to me means just being fully present, creating a a birthing space that feels safe, taking the time to listen to the birthing mama or birthing person, and just being right alongside with them, cheering them on, providing physical support in terms of, you know, whether or not they need a, a massage, getting them to engage in movement during the birthing process. But most importantly, for me, a doula's role is really about creating that safe space that birthing mamas and birthing people to be able to connect with their bodies and honor their birth plan, whatever that may be, right? Whether it is a plan to have an unmedicated birth or an induction or a cesarean section, whatever it may be. My role as a doula is to respect their space and cheer them on again, celebrate the birth. Most importantly, making sure that they're informed about their health decisions and so that they can make positive informed decisions for themselves and their babies. Amazing. Sounds like doulas really do a lot. And could you talk a little bit more about what role does a doula play in the birthing process and the postpartum period? I heard you talk about a birth plan. So maybe, you know, do even doulas have a presence in coming up with the birth plan with the birthing person? Yes. So pretty much during the birthing process, a doula's role is to, number one, making sure that they're establishing a safe space by actively listening to each individual client by valuing their stories and their experiences, their fears and concerns, their wishes and hopes, as well as providing them with evidence-based information to help empower them. With that being said, that's where the birth plan comes into play. So with the birth plan, the doula is right there to support them and encourage them to advocate for themselves. So for example, a birth plan may look like a birthing person may say, I want to have an epidural and we get to the hospital and the moment we arrive to the hospital or their birthing location, they may feel like, all right, well, I thought about getting an epidural, but having you here as my support system, I'm feeling empowered. I know that this is what I had initially on my birth plan. How about we think about something else? And so that something else can be 
be like, all right, let's work together to get you there. If you no longer have interest in having an epidural, let's get you out of bed. Let's get you moving because we need gravity to get the baby to come down into position. So sometimes part of the birth plan, we may have a birth ball listed. So then I'll make sure that they have the birth ball, reminding them that they're listening to their body and their needs and, you know, building that that bodily autonomy, it's really, really important. So yes, I am all about birth plan. And I think it's really, really important. That's one of the things that I actually often encourage and support women and birthing people to have for a number of reasons, right? It's your guide. And it's important that we all as a collective put that at the front of our minds that it is about honoring our mamas and our birthing people's birth plans. And yes, sometimes everything doesn't always go as planned. As I had mentioned earlier, given an example of maybe this person initially thought that I didn't necessarily believe that my body can respond this way. Maybe I don't need an epidural or vice versa. Sometimes I've had clients with a plan to have unmedicated vaginal birth and things happen, right? Birth happens and we have to have a plan B and that's okay. We always make sure that we have everything in place to get through whatever the circumstance may be. So, okay, if we have now to shift to having a plan for an epidural, then all right, how do we get you to be comfortable? How do we process that in the moment, if possible? So that way they're not bringing these feelings into the birthing space as they want to be present to, in order to be able to get through the contractions or the waves and get to a space where they're comfortable. For folks who are either your clients or choose to have a doula, does the service for a doula end once the birthing person has given birth or can the doula continue to work with that person post-birth? Yes. So the fourth trimester, which is postpartum period, is incredibly important. So the way that I continue to work with my clients is by making sure that that is implemented in the birth doula package. So with that being said, it may not necessarily look like a six months visits after postpartum. However, it's two to three visits. And furthermore, it's keeping in touch with the birthing person and their families six months throughout, sometimes years, depending on the relationship or where people are at in their lives. So ultimately, my goal is is always because relationships matter to me. It's always about establishing that relationship first and foremost. And so for me, ultimately, it's about making sure that even after the two to three visits after postpartum, right? This client can feel comfortable enough to call me, reach out, even if it's just a simple question around like getting my baby to sleep. Now my baby's three months old, they're having like a sleep regression. How do I go about that? And for them feeling comfortable to reach out because of the relationship. So I'm a birth doula and I'm also postpartum doula. So then I also have offer postpartum doula services and the package looks different. So whatever the client wants, I try to meet people where they're at. And again, birth looks different for different people. The outcomes sometimes aren't necessarily what people had wished for, and that may look different. So I am often just readily available, whatever types of support that the person may need. I try to be as creative as possible, create a package that can support 
support them. So the postpartum ultimately is to make sure that women and birthing people are getting the space to heal, recover, process their birth, you know, so that way they can continue to take care of themselves for them to best take care of their children, their babies and their families. Furthermore, in order for them to go back out to work in the economy, postpartum care is, it is really important for me as a doula to continue to have these conversations and emphasize the fourth trimester because it's not a conversation that happens often in the fourth trimester looks different for everyone. You know, we know postpartum depression is real. We know that there are women and birthing people who are struggling with producing enough milk to provide to their children. So there are all these factors do have an impact on how women and birthing people are recovering during the postpartum period. Thank you so much for just uplifting that. I think, as you said, people often don't think about the fourth trimester of birth and pregnancy, and it, it is really important as well, you know, and also in the healthcare system, that's typically where services end and insurance no longer covers certain services. And so I appreciate you uplifting the importance of the fourth trimester as well. And Merlene, what was your introduction to doula care? So my introduction to doula care was about 22 years ago when I came pregnant with my first son. So I was really into this American reality series called A Baby Story from TLC. And I recall just seeing at the time, I think I just looked at them. I was like, oh, there's an extra person there, right? And not necessarily knew their title. And I just thought it was amazing that these women and birthing people were getting like this support and care from this extra body that was just there. And so that's when I was introduced to doula care. However, I also have been reflecting and in retrospect, I think doula care was introduced to me from when I was a little girl in my native country in Haiti. I recall seeing elder women assisting birthing people while they were laboring. And of course, again, I didn't know then that they were doulas or even now that I've, I've learned a lot more, at least in the last few years about granny midwives, right? Now I know a little more that, oh, all of this was like an influence from the granny midwives. So seeing that type of, seeing women and birthing people getting that type of care and support as a little girl, that's what they were doing. And I, now today I can make that connection, you know? So I have to give credit to my ancestors. I have to give not just TLC. So I did want to actually bring that up as well, because I find myself often people ask me like, you know, like what made you become a doula? And more and more I'm finding myself reflecting and I'm like, oh my goodness. I remember as a little girl seeing women getting all this support from other women while they were birthing. And it was just the most beautiful thing. Yeah. I, I love that. Uh, you know, TLC first ancestors first, you know, which, which right. one was the true inspiration? <laughs> That's, yeah, that's really beautiful. You mentioned granny midwives. Could you talk a little bit more about what that is? Granny midwives have been doing this work for a long time prior to women or birthing people having the option, right, to go to the hospital. The granny midwives were right there providing care 
nurturing them and loving on them and being right there with them. And I feel so blessed myself as a mama of three nurturing children. You know, I had a lovely midwife whom I still have a great relationship with till this day to help care for me and my children. And she actually was right there with me. I recall trying to get a doula for my first and second children, but they say the third time's a charm, right? So with my third one, not only was I able to give birth at the birth center, I, with my midwife right there with me and my husband and my two oldest, I also had a doula right by my side. And I was, I'll never forget. It was just memorable. And I believe every woman and every birthing person should indeed have such an experience to feel nurtured, to feel cared for. So I'm forever grateful for um, midwives. What a beautiful scene. I can just picture it now. You've mentioned the word nurture a couple times, and you are the owner and founder of Nurturing Babyhood and Beyond. Could you talk about what the motivation for you was to become a doula as well as start Nurturing Babyhood and Beyond? My motivation to become a doula is personal and also I'm just going to say it. We have a maternal health crisis in the United States, and it pains me as a Black woman when I'm constantly hearing about the statistics of the Black maternal health crisis. You know, Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications than any other women, any other or any other than white women or any other race, right? I'm like sort of choking up as I'm saying this, I apologize. So I actually know of someone who is part of the statistics. And I recall a few years ago while I was in my office when I worked for an amazing program, a family support program at the time, I received an email and we were encouraged to read this article from the New York Times. And the article was about Black maternal health. And I recall reading the article and just, I can literally feel like this energy in my body. And I was just really, really upset. And, you know, I'm at work, I'm in my office and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to step out of this office, Merlin, you got to get yourself together. So I recall inserting a few breaths and just like all these thoughts started coming up. I started thinking about my friend's wife who lost his wife during childbirth. And I had like a mix of emotions because I was feeling angry, but blessed at the same time. Angry because of reading about these statistics, right? And remembering this woman who should be here with us today, just angry about everything that like I was reading and the more I was doing research and I was finding out, you know, Serena Williams and Beyonce had similar experiences. And I'm like, okay, this is not about money. So this is about implicit biases. It's about medical racism and we have to name it and we have to call it for what it is. I then began to say to myself, all right, Merlene, what are you going to do with these feelings? What are you going to do with these emotions? You're feeling angry, but you're also feeling blessed that your experience was different. Could have been the, you know, one of these statistics, but you're not. So how do you go about, how do you 
process all these thoughts and these emotions. So then I decided that I'm go- I was going to shift my anger into action. I started to do more research and to find out how I can become a doula. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't afford this right now. And I was incredibly blessed to go to my supervisors and with their support, I was able to take a training and it was, you know, fully paid for through my job. So I was able to continue to do the work. However, I then felt like in order for me to do this work in the most authentic way possible, in the most liberating way possible, I had to start my own business. Nurturing Babyhood and Beyond was already in existence. I was providing infant massage services because I'm also a certified infant massage um, instructor. However, I birthed um, nurturing babyhood and beyond like the birthing doula postpartum aspects of it. I was birthed in 2019 and I feel like I'm still at my crawling phase. However, I've learned so much and I, as much as I've been able to empower many women and birthing people, I feel like I've been empowered and like uplifted on so many levels and I'm still learning and I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm just grateful to be on this journey, you know, to be right there with women and cheering them on or holding their hands or, you know, giving them a shoulder to cry on, or, you know, I can't leave out the fathers, shout out to the dads as well, answering any questions they may have or may not have, encouraging them around ways that they can continue to support not only their partner during the labor and process, but after and beyond. It's been an incredible, humbling experience. And I feel so privileged to be in people's homes, in these spaces when they're at their most vulnerable period in their lives. And I'm right there with them and they're trusting me to help them guide through this journey of like uh, trying to navigate the healthcare system is a lot. When we hear about BIPOC, people sharing their experiences about not being listened to. I witnessed these things happening right in front of me. Or when we hear some doulas saying like they don't feel like they're part of the team, I've I've been there and I continue to show up <laughs> with a big smile and the most positive energy and and take up space with my birthing person because it's about them. <laughs> and we continue to make this work. So it's, it's been a, a, a blessing. Well, first, I want to thank you for sharing the story about your friend, how you just turned that grief and that anger into action, into this beautiful entity that is able to support so many folks, birthing folks and folks in their community as well. And so you talked about the maternal mortality status specifically for Black women and Black birthing people. Could you maybe talk a little bit more about why is specifically having a doula an important resource for Black women, Black birthing people, as well as the BIPOC community? So yes, it's incredibly important for Black women and Black birthing people to have a doula for a number of reasons. Number one, you have someone, if you're lucky enough to get a doula who looks like you, right? Because we have a number of doulas, but let's just say in in my case, white people feel like they can connect because of lived experiences, of shared experiences. And it's really important because people need information in, in order for you to make 
make decisions, you need information. And in order for you to be able to implement information or ex execute a plan, you have to feel confident, right? You have to feel empowered. So one of the things that I've had to be very gentle about is how I share the information in terms of the Black maternal health crisis. I want to be as transparent and as open as possible. However, I don't want to start off with Black women and Black birthing people feeling defeated. So trying to find a balance of, okay, here's the information and here are some of the things we can do together to, to make sure that your outcome looks different. And also encouraging them to continue to have these conversations with their loved ones ones as well. Have conversations with your elders, check in with them, get to know your medical history, those sort of things. Merlene, you talked about the importance of sharing information and especially sharing it gently. I really appreciate you framing it in that way because I think for myself, being in public health, you start off with the data, the facts, right? And I feel like sometimes we are careless in how we share some of the statistics and that especially when it comes to maternal mortality and Black maternal mortality, now people are more aware of the statistics and the facts, but it's still, I feel like we just carelessly throw it out there. And I really appreciate how you frame that have to share that information really carefully, because when you start off the conversation, just with that statistic, you're right, it is starting off with a negative, it is starting off with that deficit thinking. And I can see how just sharing that could really impact a birthing person, especially like a black birthing person, or even BIPOC community as well. So Thank you for that work of really reframing how you share that information. Thank you. And the next thing around doula care, especially for the BIPOC community, what do you see as the biggest barriers in accessing doulas and services for this community? Well, it's definitely an equity issue because I don't want to say doula care is expensive because I almost cringe sometimes when people respond that way to me, like, oh my gosh, doula care is expensive. However, I do also understand not to contradict myself. I understand for some people, yes, it can be expensive. That's one of the reasons why I'm also a maternal health advocate and I sit in um, a doula coalition and advocate for insurance to cover doula care because it is an equity issue. That's one of the main barriers that often come up for people. Many Black women, birthing people, people of color are becoming aware of the importance of hiring a doula. However, the other piece of of like financially being able to afford a doula for some, it's a barrier. You know, I have a Black Maternal Health Fund, which I've been so blessed um, by family and friends. It's been a lot of like support just from family, mainly from family and friends, where they've contributed a couple of dollars. And when someone calls me and say, hey, I really need support. Here's my story. Can you help me out? And I try to occasionally make sure that I offer my services, whether it's pro bono or tap into that fund. For example, recently in the last three months, I've had two uh, refugee birthing people reach out to me. They're new to the country 
And one of them, for example, was receiving care in New Jersey. And in New Jersey, her insurance was covering her doula care. So now she had to make a move to Massachusetts and her doula from New Jersey was able to find my information online and was like, hey, reach out to her. But then when she reached out to me and she's like, oh, I have my insurance information. I'm like, oh, unfortunately, that's not the case here in Massachusetts as of yet, because I'm putting that energy. I want to man that manifestation for that to happen, you know, sooner rather than later, because it is a great need in our community. We need um, insurance to be able to cover doula services. I mean, we have the information, we have the statistics, the information is there. When Black women, Black birthing people, BIPOC people receive care from a doula, they're more likely to have a shorter birth, less likely to have a cesarean birth, and they're more likely to have a satisfying experience, a memorable experience. And I have to announce this and I feel proud because as I was looking at my clients and the number of births and whether it was vaginal, unmedicated inductions or cesarean birth, 50% of my births were unmedicated vaginal births. And this is exactly what these women, you know, wanted. I feel aligned with the statistics and I'm like, oh, okay, yes. Like, you know, 50% of my clients were able to deliver their babies without any medication. And that was their choice. And 40% had epidural, but still had vaginal birth. Again, some was due to the fact that there were some complications and some was like, okay, I tried out this natural thing. It's not for me. Um, again, a physiologist in here, I'm all for that epidural, you know, and then that's okay too. You know what I mean? And the cesarean births, the few that I had were, they were medically necessary. So I'm saying all this not to obviously like, oh, me, me, me or nurturing babyhood and beyond, but just to align the statistics in terms of when you do receive doula care, it's possible. You see the outcome look very different. I would encourage people to reach out to a doula. There are lots of doulas out there. Some of us have a maternal health fund. Some of us have like a payment plan. You know, some of us offer occasional pro bono services. And if you can afford to pay your doula, absolutely pay your doula because we work hard and we value what we do. And at the same time, we also, we, we're trained, we're professionals and we're a part of your village. And I also want to say one more thing in terms of doulas. So doulas support all types of births. And sometimes I feel like I have been contacted by people where they're like, they, there's this assumption around like, well, if I want to have a cesarean birth, I can't reach out to a doula because they are all about natural birth. That is not true. Doulas pretty much support you. It's your birth about what you want. The added piece to it is, of course, a doula is going to share information with you, right? So you may have initially said, don't think I can handle pain. I want a cesarean birth. And for me, I'll say, well, tell me more about that. What are the things that are coming up that's making you feel that you're not able to get through this? So there'll be conversation, but ultimately it is your decision. You know, as you said earlier, the main purpose is to create that safe space. And so it seems like whatever plan people have, you can just provide the information and just support them through that process. 
I want to just kind of take a step back and look at the broader reproductive health and reproductive justice space and how doulas and doula care fits into that. And so we have seen an immense attacks on reproductive health over the years, and especially this summer with the culmination of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And so I want to ask you about how has the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade affected your work? The overturn to Roe versus Wade has impacted my work dramatically, more so around conversations. I went from having a postpartum visit where we'll have a conversation about like, okay, is baby latching on? You know, what are you thinking about, you know, introducing your baby to a bottle? Like when, when, you know, these sort of conversations, whatever conversations come up at, at a postpartum visit now has shifted to, well, I'm really scared. I don't know what this means. What is this going to look like for us? I'm not one who believes in birth controls or religiously, I don't know what this means. So the conversation has shifted from conversation around, how are you healing? How are you feeling? How's bottle feeding going? Oh, are you still thinking about exclusively breastfeeding to, oh my goodness, like help me do some research around the safest birth control? Or can we talk about what my options are? What does this mean for Massachusetts? I myself, I'm still trying to keep up with everything because being, again, being a doula, it's like you constantly have to stay on top of everything. It's been a little challenging and I'm always challenging in a sense of not having the answer or feeling like I have to have an answer. And I know I don't necessarily have to have the answer, but in the moment, just seeing the desperation in these women and birthing people's faces, and you're just like, I'm not sure, but you know what? Let's, we're going to figure it out together. And that's what I can give them because there are a lot of uncertainties, right? So for me, my way of taking care of my birthing people in that moment is just holding space by allowing them to vent, cry, whatever comes up for them. And I was listening to the previous podcast with Marissa. You know, I love her approach on like the collective, right? So just reminding them that there is, there is, there's a collective out there and we are here collectively working together to put in a good fight, right? Whatever comes up, we're going to continue to tackle whatever the issue may be. And there are some things that may feel like they're not within our control right now, and that's okay. And how do we continue to take care of ourselves the best way that I, that we can and control the things that we can control around us. Like for example, breathing, we, we still have breath, right? So, and that's really important. So it's, it's been uh, emotionally (laughs) a lot in the midst of that. I'm a woman, right? I'm a mother. I have a 16 year old daughter and um, I think about her future. Uh, I'm going to reference Marissa again, because she spoke beautifully about the importance of having conversations with our youth and bringing our youth into this movement. And that has been part of my work every day. 
talking to my daughter about these things, like checking in with her, like, hey, what do you think about having children one day? What are your thoughts about that? Do you want to have children? How do you feel? Well, she knows I'm a doula. So we often have conversations where I'm like, oh, sorry, I can't make your basketball game. Someone's in labor. So when I get back home, she is often curious about like how it went. And so I, I'm grateful for the time and space that we do have to, when we do get to have these conversations. And I also encourage her to have these conversations with her peers as well, letting them know that this is not a mom issue. This is not when you become a mother issue, this is not just a woman's issue or birthing person's issue. This issue affects and impacts all of us. So it's, it's, it is important to continue to have these conversations with our youth and, and letting them know that, like, listen, you all are the future. And the earlier you learn about this information, the better it is. But I also wanted to go back to like full spectrum doulas. They have been doing this work around reproductive health for a very long time. Focus is around like preconception or miscarriage or abortions. So I want to give credit to them for all the work that they are doing and continuing to do, especially during these difficult times. Yeah, definitely. And you shared a lot there. And I think something that stuck with me is the decision with the overturning of Roe v. Wade has seeped into your work. And we talked about the importance of the fourth trimester. And it's really frustrating and heartbreaking that rather than focusing on now the baby and this postpartum period and taking care of themselves, it, this decision has now turned into a stressful moment for people. Indeed. And so um, my last question for you, Marlene, before the rapid fire questions is around reproductive justice. And so reproductive justice is defined as the human right to maintain bodily autonomy, have children, not have children, and parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. And so could you talk about what role do you see doulas playing in the reproductive justice movement. The role that I see doulas continue to play in the reproductive justice movement is again, like, you know, the bodily autonomy, right? Making sure that women and birthing people have information so that way they can make decisions for themselves. So for example, I've had clients say to me that, well, my provider feels like I don't have a chance at a VBAC. A VBAC is a vaginal birth after cesarean, but they themselves feel like I, I can do this. So it's just having these conversations, right? Like, so, so they feel empowered. So there are ways and areas that doulas are working together with clients and being a part of this movement. But, you know, even just like creating a birth plan. I've had women and birthing people say to me like, oh my goodness, I didn't know I could have the lights dimmed. You know, my first two, the lights were super bright and like I was uncomfortable. So it's just a little information for someone. It's like, oh, lights dim. It's, it's not a big deal for some, for someone else. It is, you know, or creating that space, you know, when I come in and I set up the tea light candles and have the oil diffuser going on, you know, with the lavender oils and you know the room smelling good and it's a good vibe you know some soft music in the background reminding women and birthing people like we're taking up space this is your space this is where you are welcoming your baby 
So let's set up this environment and create this space and own this space. This is justice. This is what, you know, justice work looks like. This is what activism looks like. You know, to me, birth work is activism. Thank you so much, Marlene. It's been so wonderful to talk to you today. And our conversation just has been really incredible. And so I appreciate you being here. And before you leave, I would love to do a round of rapid fire questions. So my first rapid fire question for you is what is your go-to snack or meal? So my go-to snack at the moment are the mini egg muffins, well, egg and spinach muffins. I was introduced um, to them by one of my postpartum clients. And it's been my go-to. I make them often to snack on. And I also make them for my postpartum clients. Yeah, that sounds really good. (laughs) Um, All right. So the next question is, what song or artist is giving you life? Rise Up by Andra Day. She keeps me going. And then the third question is, what is your mantra that is getting you through this moment? Better days are coming. Thank you so much, Marlene. Again, I've enjoyed our conversation today and it was really lovely to chat with you. Thank you again, Elisa, for having me. Appreciate it. The production of this podcast was supported by the grant GT76MC0001727001 from the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. Its contents are solely the responsibility of the hosts and guests of this podcast episode and do not necessarily represent the official views of HRSA or HHS.